Hello, everybody. Welcome back to another Bald Move Pulp podcast. This time we're looking at Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade. Um, this is a commission po- podcast, and we have returning commissioner Bill D. To thank for this, you'll recall that he commissioned uh, the original Indiana Jones, Raiders of the Last Ark. So appreciate that. It's a 1989 action-adventure film directed by Steven Spielberg. Um, he and George Lucas co-wrote the story. Uh, the person who wrote the script is one Jeffrey Boehm, who wrote uh, Inner Space, The Lost Boys, Lethal Weapons 1 and 2. But there's also some uncredited script people Chris Columbus, of all people, mm-hmm. uh, Home Alone and the first two Harry Potter fame, uh, took a stab at a couple scripts. I guess the story was that he was so intimidated by George Lucas and Steven Spielberg that he was too much of a yes man and didn't push back enough on George Lucas's terrible ideas. <laughs> yeah, sounds familiar. That's sounds exactly real familiar. That's, yeah, that's how that's how Chris uh, Columbus tells it himself. Mm-hmm. Um, they brought in then. Um, Jeffrey Boehm, but apparently Tom Stoppard, who wrote Brazil, Empire of the Sun, Shakespeare in Love, Rosencrantz, and Gilderstern are dead, among others, is the guy who polished up all the dialogue, particularly all the father-son dialogue between Harrison Ford and uh, Sean Connery that is the hallmark of this movie. It wasn't Lucas? Lucas didn't polish that dialogue? Hmm. No, actually, he didn't. He had some (laughs) things about sand being coarse, and they're like, Uh uh damn, damn, George. Uh, It stars Harrison Ford, Mm -hmm. who needs no introduction, and Sean Connery, also, who needs no introduction. I mean, he's James Bond, for Christ's sakes. Uh, Denholm Elliott reprises his role as Adrian Brody. Uh, he actually would die shortly after making this movie uh, from complications of AIDS. Allison Duty uh, plays a hot Nazi blonde. She also was a Bond girl in View to a Kill. John Reese Davies, he's Gimli from Lord of the not Rings. In this, he's not. Oh, okay. He's Sala in this movie. Uh, oh, and I got some really fun casting notes. Okay. Uh, Julian Glover. Is in this movie as Donovan, the wealthy American industrialist is obsessed with the Grail. He was General Veers in Empire Strikes Back. Oh, he's not the only. Yeah, not the only one. Uh, uh, And he's also Grand Maester Picel. So you already know this. Fuck. Michael Uh Shared, who is Hitler in this movie, (laughs) is who? Is who also, Jim? Admiral Ozzel from Star Wars, which from, from Empire? I can't remember. Yeah, mm-hmm. wild. I guess the, the you incompetent, know, cronyism. The incompetent Admiral Ozzel who took the fleet out of hyperspace too close to the Hoth system. Alerted got his ass rebels. choked yep. to death on the bridge of the Executor. Uh, it also star, uh, is uh, Kevork Malaikian is one of the head brothers of the Cruciform Cross. Interesting that he was Spielberg's choice to be Sala. Oh, and okay. he got in a huge traffic jam in London and missed his casting call. Oh, fuck. <laughs> but Spielberg sucks. was so impressed with something he also saw. For, I forget what the what movie he saw him in. And he wanted to bring him back. And he's, he found this uh, nice little plum role as the Brothers of the Cruciform Cross for him. Hmm. Um, finally, Ronald Lacey, who played the evil Nazi that got the medallion burnt into his arm. He uh-huh. has a cameo as Heinrich Himmler. Uh, standing oh. next to Hitler in uh, I didn't the uh, book burning scene. I didn't either. I didn't either. But that's a lot of 
That's some that's some fun Star Wars star or uh, Indiana Jones crossing over and Game of Thrones crossing over. Yeah. Um. Let's. Uh, do you want to open up with Bill's words, or should we maybe talk about our thoughts on the movie first? Oh well, he's going to be waiting a while if we do that. So maybe yeah, right. open up with him. Uh, Bill, who is just—it's funny because we we're just talking about his uh, his uh, uh, barcade thing on lunch today as we're recording. Because I don't think this will come out for weeks after. But uh, it says, "Hey, bald move! I just want to take the opportunity to commission Indiana Jones: and The Last Crusade. I'm really looking forward to hearing your feedback on it and your relationship to the material. I think personally, Last Crusade slightly edges out Raiders as my favorite indie film. It was the most well-worn VHS from the trilogy pack from back in the day when I'd watch it after school during homework or on BBS shenanigans. And if you uh, have heard the uh, Raiders podcast, you'll hear about that relationship he has with the VHS tapes. In The Next Generation, Star Trek The Next Generation parlance, I feel like this was indie's all good things in terms of a near-perfect ending. The hero, his father, and their best friends ride off into the sunset having shared an epic adventure. The Nazis lose. The Jones boys win. My teenage self always wanted to discount the knight's warning regarding the effects of the grail being limited to the barrier of their seal. I like to imagine that an immortal Indiana Jones and Dr. Jones Sr. went off on future adventures together. Later, when they pulled some of these characters off the shelf for Crystal Skull, I think the fan reaction was emblematic of the challenges and risks as reliving were reviving legacy characters once they're well settled. The bald movie's coverage of Crystal Skull spurred me to watch again, and I enjoyed it somewhat more on rewatch without the weight of legacy that it carried at the time of the debut. It seems like indie stories are best when they involve meeting Nazis and pseudo-religious artifacts. Hopefully, Mangold and team can stick the landing on Dial of Destiny. Uh, Oh, boy. I want to talk about that at the end of the podcast. (laughs) Okay. Um, so sidebar just for fun, probably something that not many people would care about for the podcast. But after he sent in the first commission, he, uh, or, or he had, uh, was inspired by going to a bar, uh, Indiana Jones theme bar. And I think Orlando, Florida to doing his basement arcade in that style. And he did a Indiana Jones basement barcade. Uh, and he sent in a link that has tons of pictures. If you want to check it out, uh, go to the show notes and it's under his uh, website, arcade shenanigans. But, um, yeah, it's really cool. I really like, I was, I was just looking at this before we recorded a podcast, a corner where he's got the Indiana Jones and the last crusade pinball. He's got like a shrine to all the movies. He's got the leather jacket and the fedora. He's got a crystal skull, a grail and a grail diary. He's got the shank. Is it the shank? Sanka stones. Uh, sure, Indiana Jones a voodoo doll from the second one. He's got the the gold idol, the cross of Coronado, the the staff uh, emblem that burns the Nazi's hand. It's uh, it's really fucking cool. You oh, should yeah. be proud of this, Bill. Yeah, um, it's super cool. I would be I would be envious or I'd be envious if I was close to you and you were my my IRL friend. Uh, he says, at any rate, thanks for the hours of thoughtful insights and for building such a rad community of decent humans. We hope 2023 is a banner year for bald move. And if either of you are near Mobile, Alabama, pop in for a drink and a game of pinball. Damn. I wish I'd known this before my family sold the dairy farm. That was like 15 years oh, ago. Right. So, it was, But uh, yeah, I used to go to Mobile, <laughs> in the Alabama almost every summer. In my uh-huh. youth and early adulthood, to visit uh, some of my relations, 
Let's talk you and me, Jim. Mm -hmm. uh, this is the first Indiana Jones that I saw in the theater because I was old. Like I was old enough to watch the second one, but my mom forbid it because it was infested with demons. Uh, remains yeah. so to this day. But the last this Crusade one is came infested out, with with Yahweh. So she's probably the more shockwave. This do you remember this when this movie came out? The shockwave it sent through the Jehovah's Witness community. Yeah, because it had the word Jehovah in it, which yeah. is kind of unusual. We're in our own little corner of the world thinking we're a bunch of weirdo theologian uh -huh. losers, and then a major <laughs> Hollywood picture validates us. The living mm -hmm. name, the divine name of the living God is uttered. I think every single elder would have liked to think, yeah, I would have made it through that. I, I would have made it through the second test, no problem. <laughs> You need to fall right through the eye hole, dude. I've seen the elders and their physical yeah. fitness at our congregation. I don't think they would have made the saving throw. They jump into the eye. They hit the P. Whoops, they're done. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Anyway. It, was, it was uniquely. It was uniquely strange. I guess uh, the relationship between this movie and our religion. Yeah. I remember at the theater because I, you know, I didn't know anything about this movie, and when he's like, they're like the name of God. And I kind of was putting together at the same time Indian when he actually named Jehovah. I kind of blacked out. It was like it was a weird cultural moment because it's like that never happens. That never happens. Yeah, I, I, I thought it was gonna be Yahweh. It's it's been so long at this point since I've seen this movie that I honestly thought it was gonna be the YHWH or the Tetragrammaton that you would have sure. to pick. Yeah, yeah, something a little bit harder than. But I guess yeah, I, don't I know. forgot that it was it was literally Jehovah. Um. Yeah, so like I said, it's been a long time since I've seen this movie, so I didn't remember much of it, which was nice because I kind of got to see it again for the first time and really, really enjoyable movie. It's a great movie. I've watched these all very recently because I think after we did the Indiana Jones thing, I had a wild hair to do, you know, go back. I'm just going to rewatch because I, I also had, because okay. I think I talked about this on The Crystal Skull. I had the ideas like I should watch The Crystal Skull again. Is it really as bad as I remembered? Um, and yeah, it's one of these days we're gonna have to get around to doing the Temple of Doom. I, I don't know yeah. if I'm trying to commission bait here or just put something on our agenda because, like, it'd be a damn shame to have all of them out there except for the Temple of Doom. Yeah, that one's probably gonna age the most poorly. Um, but you know, I, I bet it's still a fun movie. And I'd still think that the opening act, the the Indian the the Indiana Jones as James Bond routine uh -huh. they do at the Obi Wan Kenobi Club, uh, or Club Obi Wan, that is fucking solid. It's a lot of fun. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So I I uh let what what do you think? So leaving the uh the Jehovah of everything to one side, uh, and you said it's an enjoyable movie. What? Mm -hmm. What what makes this movie so good? Because I although before I, before like also okay. just quick temperature check. Yeah, what is your favorite Indiana Jones? It's probably still Raiders. Raiders is the one I'm most familiar with. The one I've mm. probably seen the most times. Um, yeah. But this is a really close second. Like really really close. I I think the the interaction between Sean Connery and Harrison Ford in this movie is excellent. Um. It's almost as good as like the Harrison Ford and, and Marion. What's what's her name? Marion Ravenwood. Yeah, I, I don't remember the actor's name. Uh, oh, it's almost as good as their interactions in that movie. Uh, yeah, 
uh but, I but agree. this lasts the entire movie too so like karen allen that's who it karen is. allen yeah uh um they're great sean connery here is is a really good choice i know it kind of wasn't like well it wasn't everyone's first choice for for this role um but it works out super well especially since he's only 12 years older than harrison ford in this movie yeah he initially turned it down for that reason as among other reasons but yeah but they they found the way to kind of age harrison ford down because harrison ford he's the same age as i am in this film which was humbling I, yeah. I was like, I was like, I was like, oh god, he's like 36, 37, and but I was like, oh, 46, oh wow, he can still look pretty good at 46. Mm-hmm. And they made sure he's like very clean shaven, and 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 then they they, uh, uh, I guess did they did they lighten up Sean Connery's natural beard, and they dressed him up real fuddy duddy, and put glasses on him, and I honestly I've never seen Sean Connery play a role like this, mm-hmm. where he's just kind of like a goofball and a fuddy duddy. And he does have a moment or two of awesome, but not. It's mostly comic yeah. relief. No, he's he's really good at it. Um, and I hear a lot of this was kind of his idea. He was kind of shaping this character significantly as as they went along. Um, yeah. So yeah, it was it was a good choice. I think this is my favorite Indiana Jones. I think I've already said really? this on the Indiana Jones okay. podcast. Yeah. Like, I'm not going to say it's the best. I think Raiders mm-hmm. is the best movie from a purely cinema standpoint. Um, but this is, Oh, it's so much fun. I, it's just, it's, I laugh. There's just so much natural mm-hmm. chemistry between Harrison Ford and Sean Connery. Yes. Like I love when they're tied back to back and a fire spread. And he's like, dad, what dad what dad what you know it's like there's this so and the way they get confused when the everyone someone addresses him as dr jones and they both go yes um <laughs> one of the things i just, love about this movie is the history that it, indiana jones already has that they can play off of yes. which you don't have in raiders which they're establishing yes. in raiders and this stuff like the thing that the thing that really got me and i'm just like I, I get that sentimental smile come over me is when they're down in the catacombs and they walk past a drawing of the Ark of the Covenant and she's like, what is this? He says, it's the Ark of the Covenant. Are you sure? Pretty sure. Yeah, and it's like deadpan. Like, uh-huh. it's nothing that stands out. Uh, yeah, such a good joke. I love it. It's Yeah, so they can draw on that history. It makes it rich. And like, oh, I, one of my, the thing I like about Indiana Jones much, so much is how much he just enjoys beating the bad guys. Like he's all like, you know, we talk Mm. about like that, um, chase, uh, where he gets drug under the truck and when he finally gets back up and he's just like, I'm ready to kill this guy. I'm good and fucking ready. I'm going to enjoy it. Um, like it's fun to have his dad like who's just aghast and horrified at yep. all the things that his son is doing and then it and man Spielberg is so fucking good that every time I watch a Spielberg movie and I look at it critically and I look at the behind the scenes stuff he's so fucking good at setting up this foreshadowing these echoes because later on in the film Henry Jones Sr. is doing some crazy shit and killing a lot of Nazis and Marcus can be the guy who says oh my god look what you did what's war Marcus Yeah. Um, so he goes through his little arc where he's like oh yeah and plus it's just Nazis who cares Um, I just man the chemistry is just so good so good yeah and I like the structure of this movie a lot too I think going back to Indiana Jones childhood adds adds a lot to later scenes in this movie um 
you, you and and you get to draw once again on you know the history of Indiana Jones and what we know about him, his idiosyncrasies, right? Where he hates snakes. Well, he didn't hate snakes when he was a kid, and we find out why he hates snakes. And uh, you know, his dad has his fear of rats, and we we understand that like maybe an irrational, weird fear of things kind of runs in the family. Mm-hmm. We see where he gets his whip. We see where he gets his hat. We. Like all these different things that we know about Indiana Jones, we get to see the origin of them. Yeah, and it's like I, I was watching this. It's like you know we gave, I think, rightfully so, the solo movie shit for like having to arbitrarily invent so many things. They're just so stories for Han Solo's legend, mm-hmm. and the Last Crusade does that at warp speed. Like you got a ten minute uh-huh. scene that explains like seventeen different things of Indiana <laughs> Jones and how it starts, but it works. It just works. I think so. Uh, yeah, because I think it's a fundamentally more pulpy. Uh, it is, and, and the scenes themselves are more fun. I think mm-hmm. um, in Solo it felt kind of forced. In this, it felt like let's write a really fun scene, and they yeah. did. And then they went back and they like threw these things in to kind of make yeah. it more fun. But yeah, and I and uh, I didn't say in the starring. I can't believe I did, but River Phoenix uh, plays yeah. his uh, younger self, and he does such a good job. Did you hear? Did you see any stories behind that? Uh, I saw that he was suggested by Ford because he kind of looked like him as a younger kid, um, and he got on real well stuff. during the Mosquito Coast. Yeah, yeah. And they ask because, like, I think River Phoenix does an amazing job of being a young Indiana Jones and he said his secret was I didn't I didn't try to act like Indiana Jones I tried to act like Harrison Ford you know because I spent a long time filming him and I, I incorporated his mannerisms and the like the way he holds his face and the way he puts inflections and you can see it like when he grabs the snake from his friends like it's just a snake and mm-hmm. like you know um, the way he's got this like Indiana Jones got this very like wobbly knee like weird running gait and uh-huh. when like River Phoenix busts out of the cave, you can kind of see him doing that kind of rubber legged, uh, frantic Muppet run. Um, nice. And it's very the action scenes are also very like you know River Phoenix is just doing, just staying one step ahead, just improvising everything, just trying to fight mm-hmm. and, and get and, and it's it's very much Indiana Jones in that way. Yeah, he has uh, the spirit of Indy, right? That curiosity, yes. that kind of getting into trouble, the love of the history, all of that stuff yeah. is there. And, you know, it's like there's a lot of things like, well, of course, he was an Eagle Scout. And of course, his right. dad is some kind of obscure grail scholar that makes him count the <laughs> 20 in Greek to, to learn mm-hmm. patience. And um, you even get to see Indiana the dog. Uh, if you blink oh, yeah. and you miss it, he's in the, the at the Jones household. It's just it's just fun. It's just really fun. Mm-hmm. Um, before we get too much into spoilers, we should probably tell people what this movie is about. Um, is there any other non-spoiler things we want to talk about? No, I mean the movie is almost forty years old at this point. Yeah, it's Steven Spielberg. Good. The man knows his way around the camera. It's scored by Johnny Williams, who knows his way around a rousing adventure theme. Uh, it's got all your favorites from the other Indiana Jones back. It's just, it's, it's got, I think some of the best action too. Yeah. Maybe, maybe we should talk about that briefly. Uh, John Williams, John Williams is doing a lot in this movie. There are very rare scenes that have no score to them. Yes. He's basically scoring the shit out of this movie. And I've seen that done so poorly before. 
it, he never overpowers a scene. It, it's never it's never obvious that there's a lot of score going on, but it's always adding to the moments. He's he's just a freaking master. No no one is as good as John Williams. Yeah. No, I, yeah, he's got to be you know, you can you can have your Enrico Morricone or whatever, but sure. like, I think Johnny Williams is going to go down. When all said and done, is the greatest composer in Hollywood history. Uh, if you haven't seen this movie, and I imagine there, you know, again, we're getting old enough that this is happening. People just have these weird holes that mm-hmm. they haven't filled. Um, it's streaming for free on Paramount Plus if you've got Paramount Plus. Um, this features Indiana Jones coming back for his third adventure, and. Hitler, you'll never guess, he's out for another Christian artifact, a Judeo-Christian artifact, the uh, grail, the cup that Christ drank of from uh, the Last Supper, and in some traditions, the cup that uh, caught some of the blood that poured out of him when they, the Roman officer stuck his spear through his side. Um, Hitler thinks it's the key to immortality, and he's sparing no expense to find it. Uh, his father, a, a prominent grail scholar, has been kidnapped in Not Venice. Not Hitler's father. Indy's father. Indy's father. Just in case you didn't know that from context. (laughs) (laughs) He's been been kidnapped, and Indiana Jones, who doesn't believe in any of this mumbo-jumbo, even though if anyone on the planet Earth should believe in this mumbo-jumbo, it should be Indiana Jones. He just (laughs) wants his dad back. So he goes to Europe in the middle of WW2 to try to to win back his old man, and uh, maybe along the way, hell, find the the grail. Um, Mm Mm-hmm. It's a great title. The Last Crusade, uh, you know, invokes this uh, crusade for a holy relic or in holy lands. It's the last one. Uh, it's like the last hurrah for Indiana Jones. Uh, <laughs> it should have been the last hurrah for Indiana Jones. Um, yeah, you should have definitely a five see picture it. deal. So I don't know how we didn't know this wasn't the last one, but yeah. If in, if Indiana if you haven't seen Indiana Jones watch the watch the the I mean if you you want a really fun weekend watch Raiders of the Lost Ark and then just go right to this one hmm. and okay. you will have a very enjoyable time and if you still want more there's another four or five hours but it's mm-hmm. it's significantly lesser quality. Um. Although if you if you think Harrison Ford's a, a hunk and you just want to see some really prime Harrison Ford, you can't hardly. I think I think Harrison Ford's never been hotter than he was in the Temple of Doom, and he takes his shirt off a lot yeah. and he looks yeah, like shirts. a fucking million bucks. Holy hell! Yeah. We'll be right back with more bald move after this brief pause. And now back with more bald move. So. Let's talk in depth. Let's get spoilery about this whole thing. Uh, mm-hmm. What's our opening salvo? Uh, let's talk about that opening, those opening scenes with young okay. Indiana Jones. Not not that young Indiana Jones, because they also made a TV show called Young Indiana Jones Chronicles, which had mm-hmm. a couple seasons that I watched sporadically as a kid, but for some reason it didn't grip me quite like I you know I movies. I enjoyed watching a lot and I you know there's the memorable episode where old man Indiana with the eye patch is and I think that's my favorite one and there's one or two others I like but I don't know why I didn't I never really took with that show either I think it was just it was written from like an old TV perspective and kind of like a, a sort of budgety perspective too it didn't it didn't have the same uh sense of life I don't know that the movies have 
anyway, yeah, so let's start with the Young Indiana Jones stuff. I think there's a lot of good stuff here, um, especially with how they tease the whole thing because you're used to, in the Indiana Jones movies, seeing Indiana Jones come in in the first scene, right? And you're like, okay, this is going to be the scene where he's got the hat and the jacket and he's in the cave searching for the artifact. And there is a guy doing that with the hat and the jacket, but it's not Indiana Jones, but they play it like it is, right? The whole time, they're like hiding River Phoenix's face, not showing that. They're showing this guy looking at maps and and artifacts and stuff in this cavern with the hat, with the jacket, and they've and and the jawline. They picked a guy who looks yeah. a lot like Harrison Ford to play this a guy whose name I guess is Fedora. Um, and well, they I got do some that background information really well. about this too. Okay, yeah, I'd love to hear it. So Spielberg and Lucas intended this guy to be Abner Ravenwood. Oh, Marion's father who yeah. becomes the mentor to Indiana Jones. And, right. you know, they talk about this mysterious falling out they had. Like, that makes a lot of sense that, like, this guy's a little bit on the other side of the shadow re- re- reflection. And he's a mm-hmm. little bit more of a profiteer. And it also retroactively fixes some of the icky stuff of like Marion being like I was just a child you knew what you were doing like they were both kids apparently like Indiana Jones was 16 and maybe she was fit 14 but it wasn't like a massive age gap that I think it's implied in the uh Raiders yeah we definitely talked about that in the podcast huh okay yeah but like I I like the and I guess he chickened out at the last moment to make that explicit connection but like in early draft of script he was identified as Abner Ravenwood and I love the idea that this is how they met and Mm -hmm. like it made and and why they had the falling out and all that stuff yeah and you got Um, this uh cross of Coronado which I I guess is kind of a a MacGuffin for Indy throughout his life. I mean, there's yeah. a 30 ish year period where he's searching for it mm-hmm. among other things, you know, all, all the Raider stuff happens during that time right. period, all the temple. Right. Do. So yeah, he, it's not exclusive search for cross of Coronado, but it's in the background. Isn't the temple of doom, an actual prequel? Like it takes place before Raiders. I don't know. I couldn't tell you. I think that's what I remember that it's a couple of years before Raiders. So chronologically, it's the earliest one that they, uh, that's the earliest adventure of Indiana Jones, well, except for the young Indiana Jones stuff. Uh-huh. But yeah. I, River is just an amazing young Indiana Jones. Um, mm-hmm. I just, I, I love the, you know, like you said, the box of snakes, how he gets his fear of snakes, um, <laughs> the, the whip and the scar and the whip scar. Um, it and is funny some, when I, yeah, go ahead. And he gets so much of it from this guy, right? This guy who's supposed to be Abner Ravenwood, mm-hmm. uh, right down to his like spirit of not giving up. He says, mm-hmm. "You lost this time, kid, but this doesn't mean you have to like it." And then we yeah. see him. You know, we're gonna smash cut to him, twenty five, thirty years later, finding, getting this cross of Coronado back from the boat. This is a lordly transition. Yeah, like yeah. you can you can uh, you can t- talk about your 2001 bone the ship transition <laughs> but the f- hat on the face going down mm-hmm. to Indiana going up with a savage smile as his mouth is bleeding and he's getting punched in the face and you can like I, I mean in my mind it's like he's kind of like 
weirdly nostalgic in this moment. Like, uh-huh. God damn, I've been I've been fighting these fuckers for thirty years, and I got I got my <laughs> face bloody the last time, and here I am getting it again, and I'm still gonna beat these assholes. Um, yeah, it's, yeah, it's great. It does make me laugh though that Henry Jones Senior is the type of guy who's so into his Grail Diary that his his de- his kid shows up out of breath, bleeding mouth, wanting to talk to him, and he's like, "Nope, count the a hundred and." ancient Greek mm-hmm. they have a small shack that they live in here mm-hmm. in Monument Valley and 10 bandits a sheriff the mayor and half a scout troop show up in his living room milling around whooping about treasure <laughs> senior does not come out of that study it's on the other no. side of a ramshackle door that the circus is happening and he doesn't he's not bothered yeah he's a that's he's an they they really paint the picture of him being an absent father. Oh, absent father and and Grail obsessed, right? It's not just like a hobby of his. He it's an obsession. Yeah. Uh, it's it's like what ruined all of uh, Nick Cage's family in National Treasure. Yeah, yeah. That's uh, and uh, I and I always thought like there was a few like this is you know um, we've been talking about this vis a vis Ted Lasso how it's like. Some of the younger generations, all you really want is your parents to be like, yeah, I fucked up a couple of times. All right. I wasn't mm, infallible, mm-hmm. you know, um, I, I always thought that when Indy and him are talking later on about how like mom didn't understand it. And, you know, he's like, oh, she understood only too well. It's like, ah, I don't know, man. I feel like uh, Henry Jones Sr. is just yeah. a bad dad, bad husband. And and they talk a lot in you know Ted Lasso and other shows and stuff about how much you pass down how much of yourself you pass down whether intentionally or unintentionally and you can see with this cross Coronado stuff Indy is his dad and I think one of the reasons this movie works so well is over the course of the movie they both realize their own truths right like that yes I was a bad kind of absent father and I've been obsessed with this grail I just need to let it go so that I can be with my son during whatever time I have left and the Indy on the other side is realizing shit I'm a lot like my dad you know I've been obsessed with these things he he can scare a bunch of pigeons away on a beach and save the day just like I can you know uh oh and also wait till you find out you have a boy an actual kid <laughs> that you have legit been absent from and Forgot also about that also, when Indiana Jones bails on these kids at the college, he's like, "All right, I'm gonna be I, this this class. I barely take time to teach." Yeah, when I'm why the fuck does he still teach, I, I, man? I'm gonna I'm gonna be I'm gonna be in my office for 90 minutes to answer questions about the final. <laughs> kids are there like the, the night of the living dead. Like, oh my god, you haven't been for this whole semester. You've been here for two fucking days, Doctor Jones. Can we please get some? And he fucks off in the middle of that for another adventure. Why does he still teach, man? Why does he teach? He, he needs to be a professor emeritus to just find yeah. collections for the university and like inspires a class every once. But like, he, yeah, he doesn't need a He doesn't need to be teaching curriculum there. No, he clearly doesn't care about it. He sneaks out the window to go. On this has got to be one of the lower lowest ranked archaeology departments in the whole world it's like losing its accreditation because this guy (laughs) will not teach no the the yeah the testing has gone right out the window uh he's also he's also telling he's also telling his kids a bunch of bullshit information the first movie he's like oh you uh can't trust myths and legends or they don't ever pan out meanwhile ark of the covenant totally real x never marks the spot meanwhile x absolutely marks the spot does he even Mm -hmm. know does he even know about archaeology he knows nothing. No, he's flying by the seat of his pants. 
both yeah in the he's a fucking tomb raider let's call it what it is mm-hmm. like you know the only difference in him and his shadowy reflection is he gives things to a museum instead of money <laughs> right but he gives them to the british uh, museum um, uh, yeah british museum <laughs> as as he takes the artifacts from their country so that's probably right 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 the natives are like that's our idol you know mm-hmm. it, it belongs to our tribe not the fucking museum and he uh, doesn't even give him the rolls royce he just takes mm, it. True. At least the Nazis give you a fair deal for for your <laughs> sure. Your, that's your what they say about being, the Nazis. Your culture. Yeah. Say what you will about the Nazis. They give Middle Eastern despots a Rolls Royce in exchange for the lives of their men and tanks and whatnot. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll put it out there because we. This is something we came up with the Crystal Skull. I don't think Indiana Jones works unless he's tracking down obscure cult religious objects. Yep. I'm with you. And the Grail is the classic. Like it's it's steeped in lore, it's steeped in mystery. It's said to have, you know, magic powers that would is immediately applicable to war. Like who wouldn't want to have immortal super soldiers and who wouldn't mm-hmm. want to enjoy all thousand years of your third Reich uh if you're if you're a genocidal maniac. Uh obviously. Yeah. No, definitely. Because yeah, like we're, we're like, what the fuck is the crystal? I still I've seen this movie three times. Yeah. I don't really know what the hell the crystal skull is. I think it makes None you really the... smart, like too smart, and your brain explodes. But I yeah. don't know. Yeah. No. But, uh... Okay. So I want to talk about this in relation to Raiders because I think the Raiders uh, relic works a little bit better for me because there is the mystery around what happens when you open the arc. In this, you know that the Grail is supposed to give you everlasting life. It's supposed to True. be able to heal. There's not as much mystery around it, but right. it's still, yes, it is like the canonical example of a, a religious relic that has yeah. powers. And it, it still kind of pisses me off that they're going to do this Dial of Destiny, and we'll talk about that towards the end of the podcast, when it's like they're still like... <sighs> yeah. The Spear of Destiny is right there on the table, man. Sure. But maybe it's, the I guess that, now Indy's too old to like be doing shit that Hitler cares about. So they have to find something else. Like you can't yeah, have 75 year old Indiana Jones at that running. Point. <laughs> Unless you go to danger five territory where he's just uh-huh. chilling in the 1970s. Yeah. You're, you're out of, you're out of shit that the Nazis would want, but like, yeah, like with the communists, they want the spirit destiny. It, it sure. makes their armies on, on, uh, unstoppable. Um, mm-hmm. they got to They want to plant the spirit destiny on the moon. So, but it turns to blood and brings revelations. Wow. I, don't, I don't know. They're, they're, you could do. I'm just saying. Like, uh, I haven't seen Dial of yeah, Destiny. Yeah, the alien yet. shit, the time travel shit. I don't. It's it doesn't feel like Indiana Jones, right? Yeah, shit that you're making stuff component. up. I, even the video game Fate of Atlantis. Like Atlantis is a great concept. If it was a real place, an archaeologist could find it. it would be like you know, and and, and the, they're supposed to be like way ahead of technology at the time. Like that was another great concept. But like they're just. Like between the crystal skull and the dial, like I now know what the story behind the dial of destiny is, and we can talk oh, about you? it. It's not spoilers, I but I know what the object is. Um, mm. But but like it's no, it's not it's not something you've heard of in Bible school or in like fifth grade history. And shit right. that you have works so much better. Or the Senka stones, like I didn't know what those were too, but they're a clear. Like it's like oh well like it's a it's a it's an artifact with a clear power and a nice through line between what it does and what it's being used for now. 
this other stuff, it's just like, man, if you have to like read a three page report before you understand the nature of the artifact, it's just an automatic loss. Negrail mm-hmm. checks off all those boxes. Totally. Um, I know we talked about this in relation to the others, but I want to talk about it here too. Um, I it, it's an interesting way that they took Marcus Brody where they flanderized him mm-hmm. in a first movie. I think you're supposed to understand that Marcus Brody is kind of like just Indiana Jones who's aged out of the profession. Yep. And he's like he like, you know he's like uh, but back in his day he was something else. In this movie they just turn him into a ridiculous figure. But it works. It's only jarring if you're freshly off of Indiana Jones and the the Raiders mm-hmm. of the Lost Ark. I think I think it works and it plays it has so much good synergy and chemistry with uh, what Sean Connery's doing as Henry Jones senior that like I can't be mad at it. Yeah, I I'm with you. Um I hope it wasn't all in service of the joke where, you know, Indiana Jones tells the Nazis oh, Marcus is scholar uh he's he's a master archaeologist he speaks 12 languages he's got friends mm-hmm. in every city from here to tunisia wherever mm-hmm. it, i hope it's not all for that joke but that's a very good joke <laughs> it's a very the smash cut where uh-huh. he's saying that and then he's like he's and he's like yeah he this and i don't think he lies about anything well i kind of buy it the, right that he oh, would have yeah. friends all over the globe and he does speak a lot of languages probably and but then, yeah, they undermine all of that. And he's wandering through this open air market in some crazy place, and he's like, "Does anyone speak ancient <laughs> or Latin or ancient no. Greek?" Because he does know all those languages, a bunch of dead Phoenician languages. No one gives a shit about. Right. Probably Written does have friends in every tablet. country, but mm-hmm. they're in the universities. They're not in the middle of the fucking street. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's just really, yeah, it's just really fucking funny. But boy, they um, bring him low, right? I mean, in that scene, you meet him. He's covered in chicken feathers just from, like, <laughs> the wind. Like, nobody else has chicken feathers on them, right? He's just got them on his face and his coat. And I thought that was, like, maybe a, a callback to the um, the Temple of Doom because Indy charters that one thing. Uh, and it's it's just a, it's it's him and, uh, God, what is uh, the name? Is it Billy? Is that the name of the the woman from the second I movie? Think and so. and it's just and a crate after crate of chickens. It's like that's the <laughs> okay. kind of airplane you get into when you're driving when you're riding to these rougher areas of the world. Oh, maybe. Um, I and so I don't mind the flanderization of Marcus Brody. Yeah, I I think Sala. I don't know why they had to make him so fucking goofy. Yeah, he really took a step back. I and I really liked him in Raiders. Yeah. Yeah, it's 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 yeah, and it's the thing. It's like it's it's a because de- I I liked it where like he's doing the like papers. Oh yeah, I have my paper right here. I just read it this morning, and like and it's like he's desperately trying to save Brody from himself. I don't think he looks ridiculous, but the way he like kind of takes off his hat and rings it, and you know, it's like oh, I gotta steal my camels for my brother, and it's it's just a little goofy. <sighs> and I never saw Sala as a goofy figure. I thought Sala as a yeah. heroic powerful man who's one of the I just think you know I think we talked about this on Raiders like you think the Indiana Jones goes to any country in the world he probably knows like the people dirt underneath their fingernails they're not bad guy but they're like you know 
live into the the margins of society and they mm-hmm. have the, the specializations you need when you're trying to get things done in countries you're not even supposed to be in and in this he's just the he's just kind of a clown yeah and he's pretty central in that first movie and in this he's fairly marginalized in favor of you know sean connery and and yeah. elsa i guess yeah oh i was going to ask you what do we how do we feel about uh, dr elsa schneider as mm-hmm. a jones girl Oh, in like Bond girl terms? Yeah. Uh, she ranks very highly. Maybe the most highly? I can't give it over Here, Here's Marianne. the problem I have with her. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Marion's just awesome. She's a Nazi. That's my only problem with her because, well, oh my God. Okay, let me ask you this. She hates the book burning that the Nazis do. <laughs> So she, she's one of the good ones? No, this is the confusion, right? This is the okay. confusion in the movie. Okay. Why is she helping the Nazis? If she is against everything the Nazis stand for, why is she helping them? Because the Nazis will bankroll her upset her passion for archaeology. Like Hitler has her running all over the world after art of mystic artifacts, and she likes that. That's it? Why doesn't, think she she join, why doesn't she join up with a university that will do the same? Because <laughs> apparently I mean, and they that's exist. Thing, it's like she's born in Austria... Like uh-huh. it's one of those things where I think, I think she comes by it all honestly, but she also has a huge disconnect between the things that she says she stands for. And, and Indiana Jones mm-hmm. calls her on that. Right. You know, but she's mm-hmm. it is there is something interesting about the conf- her conflicted nature and the fact that she betrays her. You, you get the idea that maybe if she was a little slightly less grail obsessed, maybe she could. You know, turn. You know, she's very young. She, I don't know. Why am I making excuses for this Nazi? Oh, she's I guess hot. they don't go enough into into her mindset during this movie for me to understand that she's as Grail obsessed as Henry Jones Senior. Well, there's so this is willing another, to work with the literal scum of the earth to to find it. There's another. There's this another genius of Spielberg, um, who has all these like cool setup. There's a point in the movie where she's trying to justify her actions. And she's like, look, I would do anything to find a grail and you're the same as me and you'd do anything to. So stop your protestations. And he says, I'm sorry that you feel that way or you think that. Mm -hmm. And it's mirrored at the end of the movie because she dies pursuing the grail where Indiana Jones is able to, to step back from that ledge at the last minute. So like mm-hmm. it literally foreshadows the end of the movie. There's a lot of foreshadowing at the there end of the movie. There is, yeah. Like uh, there's a point where you know Donovan's saying that we're one step away from the grail. Like uh-huh. oh, in my experience, that's when the floor falls out from underneath you. And that literally happens like two separate times at the end. Yeah, but like yeah, I think that she she is like um, the same way as uh, Rena or is it Remy? Who's the guy in the first movie? The French, the evil Frenchman. He it's wants. Remy. I remember. He wants to say that Indiana Jones and him are the same. You know, mm-hmm. it's like, oh, you just have one little thing. By the time, you know, one of these days, that little scruple will be swept aside. And Indiana Jones is just incorruptible. But she's the same mold where she thinks that she has a line that she won't cross and she just doesn't. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. But she's super attractive. Like, she's just really fucking charming. Like, oh, yeah. her and Harrison Ford flirting is really fun. Um, I love like when <laughs> he's like, you know, they get in a fight and like he's uh, he kisses her and then she like uh, slaps him and then says, 
how dare how you dare, kiss me? How, how dare you kiss me? And then kisses him back even more savage. And he's like, I don't like fast women. And, kiss, and I, mm-hmm. it's, it's just I don't it's like really men, good. Yeah. It's so good. And even yeah, like there's a scene. lot of little moments where right after he shuts her down with the whole like, I'm sorry you feel that way. She's got this like little cute way where she kind of like weaves in like a cobra to like whisper in his ear. And it's like, mm-hmm. g- God damn. Yeah, that's a, that's, I, that's that's a that's a fucking winsome Nazi. There, there's a sadism to her that I'm not sure they should have included like when she leans down when when they've got the jones uh father son duo tied together and she leans down and says you know something about their their encounter last night knowing that both of them have slept with her she she's just being sadistic there she just wants to see these two men dismayed that they've slept with the same woman i think so i don't that doesn't strike me as someone who's just grail obsessed and otherwise decent. <laughs> like, yeah, they, they, they get a little too bit of, of like reveling in the chaos and, and, and pain that she's causing these people. It is really funny though. When she's whispering Very in Andy's funny, ear and but... says like, I just can't keep thinking about our night. And, and <laughs> Sean Cutter's like, Oh shit, it was wonderful. And the uh-huh. look that Harrison Ford gives him over his shoulder. <laughs> before elsa and this like there's like so much great like um the whole like this is how we say goodbye in austria and she kisses Mm -hmm. him and then the other guy vogel comes and just punch this is how we say goodbye in germany and punches him in the face it's Mm -hmm. oh god the way they shake their heads the exact same way after they get their skulls rocked it's i don't know i i've always had a soft spot for uh dr schneider um you know, she she is a Nazi. Yeah. When she, she asks you to come to the rallies, you're like, you're no, thinking, no, oh, maybe, maybe I'll go with this cute girl I met. I don't know. No, no, I the, okay. the Nazi pin would be okay. a problem for me. But uh, all right, good. Yeah. <laughs> um, I want to talk about the Venice scene, which is great, obviously, but. <laughs> There's a couple points in the movie when I was watching this as, you know, I was like, I was turning a little bit of a critical eye, you know, when I'm doing a podcast. What the fuck do the Roman numerals have to do with anything other than an excuse to have a giant X on the fucking floor of the library? Yeah, I, I have a couple of problems with this this scene, although it is a ton of fun and otherwise great. Yeah, I don't know what the Roman numerals have to do with anything. Because they established these pillars were spoils of war and the other pillars have other Roman numerals on them, but there's only these two. And it's like, what, how, how, how does this all add up? And it's like, it's, it's not a huge problem because you just go along with it. It kind of works out, but it's one of those things where the dots don't quite connect. Mm hmm. We're like, oh, it's a stained glass window and it's got the Roman numerals. Oh, here's the Roman numerals here. Where's the other Roman numeral? Um, so I like that this is the, the stained glass window that, Henry Ford Sr. is drawing in the young Indiana Jones yes. portion of the movie. Uh, you can see him drawing this into his Grail diary. Uh, I don't know why Indy is so excited about this. For a guy who says he doesn't believe in this myth, suddenly he's getting very excited about a couple of numbers on the wall. And I, I it seems a little too soon for him to get that excited. He should still be yeah. very skeptical. This is why this is not as good a movie as the uh, Raiders, because I think, and this is a Spielberg thing, he's trying to connect to Giddy as a schoolboy. 
mm-hmm. because there's another scene that's like very much uh, similar where uh, Indiana Jones reveals to his father uh, like the, the the city's name of Alex Alexandretta. Alexandretta, yeah. And you know, Sean Connery goes Alexandretta, and he starts capering around, and it, there's a mm-hmm. lot of the same beats of that performance, and I think it's Spielberg's just you know admirable need to kind of make these connections make these like make everything self-referential and and yeah, uh, yeah. integral to the thing and i, I yeah because uh once oh, they although, find that shield i I think absolutely indy should start getting on board but yeah the numerals is just a little too early yeah but it's like kind of like he's like you know he's a bloodhound on a synth and he's like also it's like this is the first time his blood gets up about it like he's just there to find mm-hmm. his father but then it's like, oh, there's a mystery and just a thrill of unraveling. He starts getting into uh, But I, I agree. It's another one. I think that this is the, the weakest by far the weakest scene because it's literally just a justification to get to the next set piece and, and do that. X marks the spot joke. Yeah. 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 And it's also just ridiculous that he's like busting through the floor of this library. I love the stamp, jo- the loud stamp. The joke. stamp joke's funny. But if you look <laughs> at this amazing. library from the outside, uh huh, it's like, what, 50 square feet? Like that? What? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. The, I guess they could just probably before see him from the desk, but yeah, it's just it's just before closing, and the, maybe there's not a lot of people there, and maybe the crucif- the brothers of the cruciform cross have started like emptying the place out, but um, yeah. Uh, yeah. The, the other thing about this scene, so if we get down in the, uh, catacombs, the catacombs here, it, I think this is the most dangerous thing Indy has ever done. He walks into a, a cavern or a, a catacomb filled, a narrow passage filled knee deep with what he calls petroleum, oil, mm. whatever. He mm. uses it. He, he takes a shirt off a corpse and dips it into the, the juice down there and lights it up as a torch. That's probably the most dangerous thing you could do in that catacomb right is light up a torch and then in later scenes because isn't he covered in the same petroleum at that point he's covered in it he's knee deep in a a Uh river of it and Uh and you can see in later scenes as he's holding this torch there's just flame dripping off of it into what i think is a petroleum river uh right it's a terrible idea it's super dangerous probably the most dangerous thing he's ever done but the movie doesn't acknowledge it I'd like to know how they breathe in that room that's completely consumed in fire. Like, yeah, they're they're underneath Hasn't been the coffin. opened in a thousand years. Yeah, they're underneath they're underneath the coffin with a, bu- bu- a pocket of air, but there's holes in the coffin. So, like, all the oxygen I think would be sucked out and they would just die. But uh-huh. it's Indiana Jones. That wouldn't be a very fun Indiana Jones if he dies in the sewers of Venice. Fair. Uh, but it kicks off one of the great chase scenes of Indiana Jones history. This boat race through the grand canal of venice on these beautiful old wooden speedboats that Mm -hmm. splinter up so nicely when they're hit by props (laughs) and gunfire and they just look great when they look great to be sprawled out over having a fight they look great when you're jumping Mm -hmm. from one to the other uh they look great when they're getting crushed between two hulls and the 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 skeleton and the engine comes flying out the other side um i have so many questions about this scene too and and so I'm I'm a little bit taking the piss on all this stuff because it's supposed to just be a fun movie. Yeah. Just know that like the affection for the movie is there and that's okay. why I resort to like picking these scenes apart. Yeah. Uh, first of all, um is this the first boat chase 
in an Indiana Jones movie? I think it I is. I think so. Like this, one of the things is this has six separate chase sequences and they have the most diversity of Indiana Jones. You've got, there never been boats mm. or a train chase. We get two of those. Mm-hmm. You got planes, you got tanks, you got mm-hmm. horses, you got cars, foot. You got every way you can chase a person. Motorcycles. Motorcycles, yeah. Mm-hmm. Like they really up the ante in terms of chases. They do, yeah. And there's a really cool chase scene. Uh, th- there's a scene where th- a part of the scene where they go through a passage between two boats that I guess are being docked, but there is another boat, a smaller boat, pushing these huge uh, ships together. Mm-hmm. And I don't know why the boat is pushing the ships together. Is this some yeah, kind of docking I mean, they're trying procedure? To dock, I guess, or they're trying to. You don't want these boats to touch, right? Well, you put bump like because like so like in Pearl Harbor they were they were uh, one of the reasons Pearl Harbor was so devastating is they were stacking those ships like three deep at the pier, so you'd have the ship at the port huh, okay. and then a ship attached to it and then a ship attached to it because they were all in for whatever reason. Okay, so I guess like That's yeah, like if that. you got limited dock space and you you want these out of the main shipping channel, then you just kind of you know stack them up there. Mm-hmm. But yeah, you wouldn't want them rubbing, but they'd put like you know tires or those big <laughs> tires big cushions. God, what's a tire i forget what they call those do. the boat cushions i don't know what they're uh-huh. fenders they're fin- called fenders aren't they that would make sense uh and uh, then there's the the part of the scene where you know indy's fighting the last guy and they're on yeah. the boat that's getting sucked into the prop and getting chewed up and uh-huh it, there's no way this boat would stay afloat past the first swipe of that rotor it would chop yeah. the back end off and it would just fill with water and sink but think it's so, such a cool it's got... stunt Unless it's got compartments, maybe. Well, the oh, thing I yeah. had, to, the thing I never questioned until I watched this for this this time is like, why the fuck is the massive prop of this boat exposed? Spinning. Oh, it was, why is it why exposed? Is it why is it above the water? Fair. Yeah, they, they, and, that's not how props work. They don't <laughs> they don't work in the air. So I, I did a que- I, I actually did a bit of research because it really bothered me. It's like, well, this is, and I guess there are instances where, like, if a boat is at dry dock, and they remove all the ballast from it, because boats have significant amount of ba- significant amount of ballast to lower the center of gravity so they don't tip over in the ocean because that'd be bad. Mm-hmm. And they were doing an engine test that you could possibly have a propeller okay. half out of the water. So, like, I guess it is. I don't know. I don't know if there's a great shipyard in the middle of Venice or not, but. Yeah. Um, is, okay, so, so is the possible. is the Grand Canal of Venice that big? Because like I also kind of question like would they have these vast cargo things running through there? You've uh, been to Venice, I don't know. Yeah. So maybe at points it is. I don't know. The part that I saw would not accommodate ships this big, and it certainly wouldn't accommodate two ships side by side plus uh, boats running th- between them and boats pushing them, and still have a bunch of open water. My opinion of this is that it's outside of the the main canal I, it's not it, it mm. maybe is at the mouth of that canal gotcha. but not within the canal itself i don't gotcha. know i didn't see the whole canal i saw the parts of the canal where you kind of unload uh you, you kind of get off the train there in venice mm-hmm. we'll be right back with more bald move after this brief pause and now back with more bald move um, and then the Brothers of Cruciform Cross, I think they serve only to give breadcrumbs to like they 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 exist to 
give us a really bomb chase and to give breadcrumbs to continue to correct quest because i don't know how Mm -hmm. the fuck indiana jones finds out where his dad is at if this brother just doesn't tell him yeah yeah they Uh, they need to provide and and so like earlier in the movie they had knocked out marcus and taken him i'm not actually sure why they don't take the grail diary what well, do doesn't Marcus have that? Yeah, but why don't they keep it? How do they, How does Donovan ever get it back? Oh, Indiana Jones has got it at the Nazi castle. Yeah, Brody. why would they? Why would they give it back to him? Who give it back to who? Because Marcus has it uh, when, when when Indy goes into the catacombs or the whatever's down there under the yeah. library. He gives the journal to Marcus or the diary yeah. to Marcus. Uh-huh. Marcus gets knocked out and taken by the brothers of the, the cruciform sword. Yeah. And presumably they would take the diary from him, right? They don't want anybody finding this thing. Why ever give it back? Well, how would they know about the Gra- Grail diary? The Nazis know about it, but I don't think the brothers of the cruciform is a cruciform sword. The cruciform sword. I don't sword, know that yeah. they. The, I don't think that they know about it. Boy, how could they? But not? do you think they'd search? They would do a basic They're like right. in, personal inventory? Yeah. And and they had eyes on these guys at the library, right? I mean, Indy had it out looking at it. True. I, I don't know. True. I, it seems a little sketch that they would not just okay. keep this diary for the rest of the film. But yeah, you might be right. They they serve as a plot device. And it's funny how because like we know Indiana Jones is like this very competent archaeologist and he gets his stuff out of scrapes, but the way he meets his dad, like they set this up to where like Indiana uh, Henry Jones Senior is free to think of his son as an idiot. Mm-hmm. Like that scene where like uh, the Nazis like give us the book and he's like, "You Nazi dolt! You think my son's so stupid that he'd bring the Grail Diary from America to you know?" And then like you see like Harrison Ford's like, "Huh, you know." Uh, uh. And then when he realized, just just oh god, it's so. I should have mailed it to the Marx the Brothers. Marx Brothers. <laughs> Such a good line. Did you see the trivia that like I guess one of them it's like ironically and I don't know whether he's making in universe reference to this fact but like one of the Marx brothers was instrumental for uh spiriting out a lot of like priceless documents and books from Nazi Germany huh. to preserve it. No. Yeah, that's that's one of the the, the uh, some trivia I I collected in researching this. I I love this scene where Indy realizes that he's been duped by Elsa. Uh, she reveals that she's been working with the Nazis all along. Because um, it, it feels very old school movie making to me, the way that they film it. You've got mm. the camera behind Indy watching Elsa make this reveal. And then in order to show Indy's reaction, Indy actually turns. He turns away mm. from them toward the camera and the camera kind of drops down a little bit to get a better angle on him. I feel like in modern movies, they would just shoot the reverse angle. They yeah. just like cut to Indy's expression here. They make a whole camera move and an actor move. Yeah. Which it feels very like cinematic, right? And old school. And it keeps you kind of like, uh, tied, you know, tied to the action. You don't have a jumper perspective. It's just like, you're, you're yeah. locked into the scene with them. And shooting from behind Indy makes you think, oh, God, what does Indy, what does Indy feel about this and think about this? Yeah. And he turns to show you. Yeah. Uh, you know, one I thing that's like always it. bothered me about the subsequent scene where they're like tied up in the castle and they almost get burnt alive. 
this hmm. is the world's sloppiest kidnapping tie job. Oh like, yeah. <laughs> they don't need a knife. They don't need a lighter. They just need to. Sh- one of them needs to shrug, and uh-huh. they will be free. Like <laughs> yeah, it's actually, ropes. you can tell the Ford and Connery are kind of somewhat struggling not to free themselves, just acting and moving around and talking, like like trying to talk each over each other's shoulders. It's so uh-huh. fuck. It's always been funny to me. I don't know if I saw it in a theater, but like it's like who are they kidding with this? You know, right. And, and Indy gets out. He's the first to get out. And he's like, I'm free. Mm-hmm. And, and they imply that, like, he's going to go help his dad get free. But his dad's already free because. Yeah, come on. The slack on the rope is such. The way that, it works. Yeah. You, you got like a holy Indiana Jones worth of space to work. If your dad can't see himself <laughs> right. out of that wet paper sack. I don't know. I don't uh-huh. know. Um, God, I love the, the spiral staircase gag. Because it's it's funny oh, yeah. that his dad just naturally solves it by dumb luck and and Indiana Jones goes falling down it. But it's like a really cool practical effect, too. Mm-hmm. Like I the like that. Sta- and, and, and the rotary fireplace gag. Those are both good. Rotary fireplace gag. Uh, classic. Yeah. Uh, and the idea that the Nazis don't even know this shit about the castle. You know, these are just like <laughs> genuine secrets that have been lost since antiquity or something. Yeah, that's wild. Why does it have so many secret doors? I guess you might want those in a castle. Yeah, well, I mean, castles, you gotta, yeah, you gotta, you gotta mm-hmm. have secret passages in a castle. Um, a- another thing that that bothers has bothered me for a while. Uh-huh. So Indiana Jones takes the time. He's escaping the castle. He sees the boats tied up. He has this idea that, uh, oh God, there's two things that bother me. Uh, he's got this idea to loose a boat on the river. Yeah, and brilliant. The boat. The boat is clearly turned at a 45 degree right angle, so it's going to maneuver out of the dock. But like that boat should just can do a 180 and run into mm-hmm. the bank and just stay there. It, it somehow levels off and goes down the river. The thing that really bothers me, though, mm-hmm. is Vogel and all those the Nazi goons come down there and investigate the dock and they take the bait. They're about to file onto the boat, the boat and fuck yep. off. And Indiana Jones is so fucking hot to bust out this motorcycle. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, he busts like right like why, Indy? Wait. Just a wait minute. a minute. Wait, just 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 cool your heels for a Look, minute. I get it, man. I understand I, I feel the urgency he feels to get away from the Nazis, but you're much better off waiting one minute when they're on the river and you can wave goodbye and they don't have motorcycles to chase you. Like right. you're home yeah. free. Yeah, you know, you just got to get out of Germany. But the only thing that makes sense is if his dad has given him the business in that box, like in the same way that <laughs> he like in exasperation punches the Nazi to start the action scene. He's just like he's like, oh, Junior, this will never work. This Nazis are too clever for this joke. And or, and he's uh-huh. like, Dad, guys, I swear to Christ, if you don't shut up, I'm going to I'm gonna, I'm just going to bust this out right here in front of the Nazis. <laughs> right. And yeah, he calls him Junior one more time, and that's dun 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 dun. <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's a little uh, premature but that's fun i also like how his dad like clearly has a in his mind there's a right and wrong way to kill people mm-hmm. like if you nightly joust them he thinks that's cool if you throw your broken a lance through the front wheel and send them sp- <laughs> the, the 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 hell uh he doesn't like that he doesn't like that. He's, he's got to check his pocket watch for that one. It's just and the, and the way Indiana Jones is like a kid, like, like he always looks at his he's got a big smile, looks at his dad, and it's like moods ruined. You know who it's, does like the the spokes uh, the spoke kills me. Who? 
Yeah. Me. I love seeing those dummies go flying, those motorcycles rocketed up into the air. Yeah. It's awesome. The practical yeah. effects, man, it's hard to beat those. Like, even though I see that's a dummy, it's not oh, a real yeah. person, it's still so much cooler when I know they really flung a motorcycle up in the air and had it smash on the ground. And the thing about practical effects is, like, they look ho- hokey, they look good, but they're never going to look worse than they do now. Like, like Comparatively, yeah. You know, you can see that they're mannequins and stuff, but, like, it's not going to be, like, where you see some late 90s, early 2000s effects where it's like, oh, God, you know, yeah. that's just not holding up. Uh, yeah, it looks, it looks great. Um, uh, it, l- let me ask you this. There, between kind of these scenes here, before we get to the actual, like, motorcycle chase in the fireplace there's a scene where uh sala finds marcus just kind of hanging out around there Mm -hmm. how did sala find marcus well i mean i guess sala's not in the movie until that scene right indy sent sala to meet him there and so he knows okay okay yeah he goes meet up with sala and blah 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 to, to to, to get things going and and yeah like he's like I imagine Marcus sticks out like a sore thumb, like the Nazi oh, said. Yeah. So, like, you know, I think I think he just arrived. He's like, you know, a minute. He's like, he just got off the train or the chicken charter or whatever. And <laughs> uh-huh. uh, Sal is able to scoop him up before the Nazis, just before the Nazis do. Gotcha. Uh, I wasn't aware that Indy sent him, but that makes a lot more sense. I think so. I think so. Um, uh, I don't have much to say about the, chase, the motorcycle though. chase itself, other than it's it's a great it's a great chase, and it's like they're really using motorcycles. And mm-hmm. I, I will say, Sean Connery through this is like trying to hang on to his hat because he's wearing this stupid bucket hat. <laughs> Sean yeah. Connery might be the only guy who can pull off a bucket hat. Yeah, and and with the tweed jacket and everything, yeah. Uh huh. Scott, those alive. are terrible hats, but according he looks to People fine. Magazine, nineteen ninety three. Apparently, yeah. <laughs> Uh, that's a cool scene, and then we find out, you know, they they get to they get to the uh, rally, the the Hitler's birthday. I don't know what the fuck this is. Yeah, but... the 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 big book burning film scene. Right. Yeah, Hitler is having a birthday party, and the sixteen candles are going to be books. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know how old he is. Their Hitler is not very good. I here's a hilarious thing. I don't think their Hitler looks very Hitlery. They they really just could have taken anybody, stuck a mustache on, and it would have been as good. But this guy I mean, honestly, has made a career of playing Hitler. Did you know that he played Hitler in three I other did. movies? I thought he looked pretty good, like uh, like uh, like a like the older pudgier Hitler. I couldn't like, do like, it. I couldn't. He's like he's like nineteen thirties Olympic Games Hitler, but he's like mid war, right? You know, ravaged by what is it, meth and syphilis or whatever else he had. Kind of. I don't know, man. I've seen a lot better Hitlers. Uh, in my day too much strudel not enough exercise <laughs> i i don't know i don't think i could make my career on well yeah Hitler i mean like there's there's two worlds we live in the world before downfall where you could just put the fucking mustache uh-huh. on and yep. have yep. The, the, the dark wig and you're right and then you get to that and it's like oh that fucker he's hitler that's yep. hitler they dates they reincarnated hitler and filmed him in his bunker holy shit well I, i'm saying like from a perspective of what am I doing with my life? I don't think I could play Hitler in four, three or four movies. I would have to say one Hitler yeah. is enough. I don't want to be to typecast s- as Hitler. <laughs> you have to sit with your agent and be like, why am I getting all these? You <laughs> right? know, I don't. Uh, I guess it wouldn't be more like, why am I getting all these? <laughs> yeah. 
but yeah. Uh, yeah why why so well listen to yourself listen to yourself you, you, <laughs> you should you, do you, you can do real nazi or space nazi you done uh-huh. it to yourself man is what the is what the agent saying there, there should be you know the meme cut of that downfall Michael? movie where where hitler is like responding to i don't know a fucking song that's playing that he can't get rid of or something yeah he should yeah. do that over his career as being typecast as hitler yes <laughs> yes that would be a really funny one um what else do you want to talk about the the motorcycle and and the uh, scene like i said him dressing up as a colonel and meeting hitler i thought i always thought that was really funny hilarious uh having him sign his hitler. book the grail yeah. diary the grail diary uh-huh. gra- can you imagine <laughs> uh henry for henry jones senior gets back home and he's back in his home <laughs> in monument valley and he's going oh what a great grail adventure i had with my son Mm-hmm. Adolf hit. He's like he's a science. Yeah, you got to burn it, right? You have to. There's, yeah, there's no more Grail. You might as well burn it. Might as well burn it. We we got to talk about that. We got to talk about that at the end of this movie. Is What's there that? a Grail? We'll we'll, Still? we'll get there. Oh, okay, yeah. okay. Um, let's talk about the blimp scene. This is a legendary piece of bald move lore that we've shared on many many. Uh, podcasts, mm-hmm. but it is a real life fact that Sean Connery, if he can at all help it, likes to film with his pants off because he's a famously heavy sweater <laughs> and Hollywood Shorty sets balls. are hot with the lights and he's sitting there at the table across from Harrison Ford and he's 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 in boxers from the waist down. And I guess Harrison Ford thought this was such a brilliant idea that he took his pants off father and son are sitting across <laughs> each other at a, at a Nazi table and a Nazi blimp and they have they're naked uh-huh. from the they're Winnie the Poohing it and I love that I, I do love, love the, that fact I love the fact that in 75% of the the hunt for Red October Sean Connery's not wearing pants it might be the best movie trivia of all time it's it's pretty good it's pretty good I love watching old James Bond and like anytime you can't see him from the waist down he's just, he's just not wearing pants man <laughs> the only one that I like better, maybe, uh, is is the one where uh, George Cosmatos has actually never directed a movie in his life. He only yeah. does directs. That's a yeah, pretty yeah, yeah. good factoid too. But this one, God, it's so good because I, I I picture it. Oh yeah, and, yeah. and what when you picture it, what are they wearing? Like, what are they wearing below the waist? Cause to me, Sean Connery is in like the white boxers with maybe a polka dot, like a red polka dot. I, yes. I was thinking, I was the, I was thinking blue stripe, blue stripe. Okay. Mm-hmm. Harrison Ford. He's the wild card here. He, I can see Harrison he, he Ford. Might in the pair of like, yeah, he might, he might. He's of that generation, but he also might boxer. There's no way he's wearing so like boxer some kind briefs, of maybe? bikini briefs or anything like that. <laughs> no, I don't think he's that wild. But but I I've yeah, actually thought, like I I see it like Sean Connery's hairy ass legs in like some kind of like your dad boxers, and he's with, wearing with the sock garters. He yes yep, yep. yes he's wearing socks hiked up to his calves with with the full <laughs> sock guard or with the with the sock garters and wearing wearing penny loafers. Totally. All right, yeah. I'm, I'm so glad we see eye to eye on this. Yeah, yeah, I and, and yeah, I, I totally have imagined it, and that's exactly how I see it. And it's um, an amazing scene, aside from that trivia too. Like that no ticket joke is legit so laugh out loud funny. 
every single time because Vogel's so smug when he's got the cane and he lowers it and he thinks and just and and also like Indiana Jones looks so fucking they they reprised a joke of him stealing the Nazi sub commander's uniform where he's like obviously it's too small and and he's still like he's wearing this dinner yeah. jacket that's like three sizes too small and like uh, tickets uh mine air. Mm-hmm. And he's like, ah, and then he, yeah, he throws him out. And then everybody's like looking at him like you would. You just beat uh-huh. the shit out of this Nazi and threw him off the blimp. And he's like, no tickets. And all these people are just <laughs> frantically looking. They can't make sure they got the tickets. Like uh, if he would do that to a Nazi colonel, what would he do to me? Right. Right. In Germany, no uh-huh. less. Yeah, it's uh, a brilliant joke. I love it. Yeah, like uh, they might be running the ground war, but uh, these ticket collectors, they own the air. Um, yeah, and like the idea oh, that they oh, had. Let me say the one problem with that joke is he says mm. no ticket in English. And that's clearly True. for the audience's benefit, but he speaks right. German and A he could bit. tell these people no ticket in German, but we wouldn't understand. Um, I like the like. So this is a real life concept that they tried to make work, but they never could figure it out. But they tried several times to attach airplanes to blimps and they were going to the 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 way they were envisioned to be used is number one protection like if they were ever attacked but also to like to fit like if uh, you got a message on the ground and you needed to like curry something up because these are like for, these are like this was not the way a poor person would travel a poor person yeah, yeah. would take a train this is like the luxury travel of the day that they would actually like you know if you someone delivered a telegram you could like uh, fly down and get it and fly back up but the pilots like it was like a like a 60% success ratio getting back onto that trapeze flying up oh, I bet so they never and is it I guess it's a US Navy project and right before the war the US Navy was working with the Nazis trying to mate this technology to like among other things the Hindenburg before it exploded so wow. it's one of those things where it was a real life piece of technology that never could quite work but it's such a great concept that you, yeah, you got this plane and you just pull this lever and boom, you're flying, mm-hmm. baby. That boy, I didn't realize they were trying to do that. That sounds crazy. Maybe they just didn't have the technology yet. Cause there's another thing that always amazes me with yeah. air travel and it's mid air refueling. I yeah. can't believe that shit works. It seems uh-huh. like a miracle of technology that you can guide a tiny little tube into another airplane's gas tank in the middle of the air while you're both traveling hundreds of miles an hour. Yeah. It seems like it should never work. It should result in death every time, but they yeah. do it. It's crazy. As a routine. Like, yeah. it's, it's one of the things that makes the modern, uh, the force projection and logistics work. <laughs> That's insane. Got fly, giant cool. flying gas tanks. It's like, yeah, like, so, like we've, there's like, you know, like, we expected flying cars and other kind of things, but we have no shit like Sky Captain in the World of Tomorrow shit, like giant flying yeah. refueling tankers that can, <laughs> you know, it's, yeah, it's insane. I'm with you on that one. Um, and I just love to, like, it, you know, uh, his Indy's dad's back there in the gunnery target scene, and he shoots off their own tail and lies about it because he doesn't want to look like an idiot in front of his son. <laughs> right, right. Junior, they I'm sorry. They got us. <laughs> um, and I, okay. I don't think the compositing and all this uh, Nazi fighter stuff is exactly the state of the art and, and holds up, yep. but it's good enough for what it's trying to do. Uh huh. There's a couple of really rough composites, like when the thing's swooping into the tunnel 
and a couple mm-hmm. other times it's not and you can kind of tell that like Indy and Sean are on a sound stage with Rear. but like it's and it, it also like the Republic serial nature of it kind of smooths over that stuff too you know like some of the low yeah. tech are is almost uh, a, a virtue the the thing that bothers me more I guess is why would this fighter pilot fly into the tunnel why would he like, because the thing it's like he doesn't know the tunnels there like I think on that flight path he would must know that he's just going to smash into the side of this mountain like it's even worse like he's diving why does he do it I don't well so like so he's chasing a car mm-hmm. and I guess if I'm a pilot and I'm chasing a car you might think that like well they're not gonna go they're not gonna drive into the side of a hill right so you know, there must you wouldn't, be open you, space you wouldn't there. conceive. Yeah, there must be like, you know, and I can just kind of but like the fact that there's a tunnel right there and he, he's fucked. But you're right. It's it is. It's but you have but... all of the rest of the sky to work with. Do you really need to get that close up on him that you could follow them into a tunnel? Yeah, this guy. True. True. This guy is reckless. Um, so then we get into the desert stuff. Well, bef- before we leave this, I, I oh. want to go to the beach real quick because I okay. think there's an important moment here, uh, and and it's all like conveyed with a look from Indy. I think it's really good when his dad, you know, does the squawking and the umbrella stuff, and mm-hmm. and takes down the other fighter with uh, the birds, sends him through his cockpit and all that into his engines. Uh, Indy looks over at him and he's like, "Damn, that's something that really worked out well for him." And kind of something I would do. And he's quoting history and, you know, authors as he's doing it. And we're a lot more alike than I really gave us credit for. Yes. The first time where his his father significantly. Yes. Yes. That's the thing that's like, like, oh, my, I had this, I envisioned my father this one way as a frustrated Mm -hmm. young man that was driven from his, you know, maniacal grail loving house. But like, I kind of, yeah, yeah, like that, like, yeah, that, that respect, a glimmer of like this, my mm-hmm. dad's a more well-rounded out person than I would have suspected. Yeah, it's like understanding him better. And I, I think it's mm-hmm. a big, important scene. Yeah. Um, But there's a lot, I mean, again, this is so funny, like when they're observing the tank and, you know, in, uh, 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 Sean Connery's oh. like, you're, you got to get down, Junior, the killer. It's like, Dad, we're well out of range. And, the, and then in the background, you see the tank fire and mm-hmm. it blows the fuck up out of their car. It's 100 years, yards further away than they are. Oh, oh yeah. it's, and then, oh, and then, oh, what's that Sala's brother in law's car? And he's just made a big deal oh, about, right. like, hey, we got to, and the wheel on fire rolls past. And Sala's like, oh, God, no, I got to steal some camels. It's it's so good. Why is Indy so obsessed, so insistent on no camels? Is there something from Raiders that I should remember? I don't think so. I think it's more of like he just wants to keep. I don't know. It's one of those things where like I I I don't I don't understand. It's I mean clearly he's wanting to keep Sala on task, but like nothing in Raiders ever gave me the idea that Sala is like you know I don't want to go out and t- we're not here camel collecting Sala. Mm-hmm. I don't know. It's funny, yeah, that, but that's weird. Um, one of my favorite things about Indiana Jones, I talked about this before, is how much he loves beating the bad guys. And mm-hmm. my favorite, like, I think my favorite moment in Indiana Jones is uh, 
you know, the knots or when Donovan's like in uh, Dr. Jones is getting away and the Vogel's like, no, he's not. He's down here. And he's like, not that one, this one. And Indiana Jones tear ass backs with all the Nazis horses. And he's pissing himself laughing at like, <laughs> I'm just, I'm like a pirate and I've stole all your fucking horses. I want to get my dad and I'm going to get in and fuck all you guys. It's so, I never gets old. Indiana Jones, how much he enjoys nice. getting one over on the bad guys. He just yeah. he just loves it. He loves he loves beating he loves beating Nazis. He does. He does. I can't blame him. Uh so- the thing I love about all this tank stuff, because we're talking about the tank the tank chase scene, right? Yeah. Okay. Uh they they use every part of the tank. Like they're using treads, they're using the guns, they're using the insides, the periscope, they're using that. They're using the netting on the front of it. They're Every bit of this tank is put to good use when they're doing stunts, and it all just feels so, so funny, so so desperate, so enjoyable. I love it, and they're and they're really doing it. Like uh, legendary stuntman Vic Armstrong literally jumps from a cliff on a horse onto this moving tank. Wow, and it's badass. Like this is actually yeah. Harrison Ford dangling from that. Uh, the 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 busted gun that he can't get get off of while Vogel's trying to squeeze him out in that canyon. Mm-hmm. I, I guess the movie magic there is that like he's not as close to the wall as you think, and they have um, production assistants with shovels full of dirt and gravel that are shoveling on in, so it looks like the gun scraping mm-hmm. off is hitting him in the face. Mm-hmm. But a little Bruce Campbell uh, action, yeah. Sam Raimi action there. Um, but yeah, there's and like there's like I. I freeze frame this and I couldn't tell because the thing is Vic Armstrong looks a lot like Indiana Jones. If you ever seen them, like there's a classic of them on the set of uh, 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 the Temple of Doom and they look a lot alike. But I could not tell you who is the guy who rides past in a horse and grabs that rock. Mm-hmm. Like the camera doesn't break and it just it's a just it's such a probably relatively easy thing but so nifty this guy like grabbing his thing and then shoving into the gun barrel um yeah and then it wily coyotes the the gun (laughs) yeah and um i really like um you you mentioned the mannequins of it one of my favorite mannequin scenes there's two of them in this one of it is when the germans are pulling up to like disembark a whole bunch of soldiers onto the tank they'll just like you know in the fight and senior is in there and he uses the side gun to blow him up and you just Mm -hmm. see these mannequins shoot out like roman candles (laughs) from this explosion and it's so fucking funny every time i see it yep the other is the resolution when vogel goes over the cliff with uh with the tank vogel's grip strength is amazing because that body does not let go. That that it, it sails off, hits the ground. It's still control. The turret comes wow. off. That 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 dummy is still like I don't know how they attach <laughs> that dummy to that tank's turret, but it is on there. They're using JV weld or something. It is <laughs> it is stuck on there because it never lets go. It never nice. lets go. I didn't notice that. We'll be right back with more bald move after this brief pause. And now back with more bald move. Uh, I I like the end of that scene a lot because um, you know that Sean Connery, the Henry Senior, thinks he's lost his son over the edge of the cliff, and then Indy climbs back up, and it's kind of played for comedy there, where he 
comes up behind him. Oh, what are you guys looking at? That kind of thing. Yeah. Uh, but but there's something poignant about it. You know, his dad's realizing he's lost his son. He lost the opportunity to ever say the things he should have said to him. Uh, and then you've you've got them just kind of getting right back into it after they realize, oh, my son's alive. He he kind of snaps out of it pretty quick, but he's got that moment, right? Yeah, he does. But it, yeah, where it's genuine and 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 Indiana Jones soaks it up like a mm-hmm. plant starving for water. Like he does a genuine moment of like bliss where it's like, oh God, my dad does care about me. And you're right, the comedy of Harrison Ford's. I don't think he gets a lot of credit for his comic timing. But the way yeah. he staggers up to the group looking over there and he's just mm-hmm. kind of like disheveled and there's like dust and smoke coming off of him and he looks over <laughs> like, God damn, that was fucking crazy, guys. And not even re- <laughs> it's just there's something really funny about all of that performance that he's doing there. And um, I didn't. Re- oh, this is another cool thing. I didn't realize this, but like Indiana Jones takes a beating in the scene like there's oh, like yeah. it's like. Uh, Vogel smack oh god it's so hard to watch when he's like trying to hang on to his gun barrel and Vogel's a smashing uh, you know stomping on it and smash it with a fucking shovel and mm-hmm. Indy's knuckles get all bloody and he gets his lip busted open those injuries stay with him till the end of the film until he takes a drink of the grail and nice. the very next scene, his face is perfect. His knuckles don't have his scars on it. All the blood's gone. Like, they don't... I never have noticed this. No. Um, But they do. It's like a nice little storytelling grace. It's like, okay, he took a bunch of battle damage. Now take all that shit off because he just drank from the grill. It's it's a really cool touch. That is. I feel like the, uh, the universe conspires with Indy a little bit to get him through all this stuff. Because if you notice at the end of this cliff scene the wind just kind of blows his hat right back up to him, right? He's sitting yeah. there exhausted and it just kind uh-huh. of lands in his lap. I I feel like this is the source of his his luck and his power mm. is the universe just wants him to succeed. Yeah. Maybe, maybe it's I a mean, good versus evil thing where he's like, literally fighting Nazis all the time, but... I was going to say, I mean, I I, I took a strong stance on this on the la- on the Raiders Lost Ark, but uh, uh, I, think, I, think, I think Jehovah's literally on his side. Mm-hmm. the nazis are fucking with his people on earth and Mm -hmm. as long like yeah like indiana jones gonna have a run of great luck while he's fighting nazis in europe (laughs) uh especially if they're profaning the 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 holy objects of the old man you know they're they they still they fucking tried to get my box tried to take Mm -hmm. my special box now they're after my son's sippy cup the fuck (laughs) fuck these guys um Man, I can't believe there's a place on Earth as cool as Petra and Jordan. Mm, yeah, the entrance to that is super cool. Like, it is literally something that you would see in, in like in in a like like an Indiana Jones went to a, some ancient temple. You would think the set and the matte painting would look like this. This this is an actual ancient city that they carved out of the fucking bare rock. This was their treasury. Yeah. Um, Wow. And you, you I suppose you can go. I guess, I guess there's a, a booming tourist trade. You can see this whole thing. But this is a real place you can visit. It's not nearly as cool. Like uh, what you see is what you get for this treasury building. Like it goes back, like I think ten or twenty or thirty feet. It does not turn into this cavernous complex oh, with the okay. Grail Seal and all that stuff. But still, what a fucking mm-hmm. location. They'd have to build it. I when I was a kid watching this, I just assumed this was a set. But it's a real yeah. life location. Wow. 
The, the only other joke I don't understand in this movie is in this scene. And he says, oh, I don't even know if it's a joke because I don't understand it. He says, I'm like a bad penny. I always turn up when she is like, I didn't expect to see you here. Mm-hmm. What does that mean? A bad penny always turn up? The idea that like if um, like like if you're flipping a penny for heads and tails, like a bad Who penny would land. Who flips a penny? I flip I a know. quarter. I know. I honestly, I don't understand that. I don't understand either. Is it, is it some kind of obscure penny loafer reference that we've lost in time? Maybe. I mean, I've heard it. I've heard that phrase several times outside of Indiana Jones. I know it's just not some crazy Spielberg thing, but hmm. Hmm. Uh, maybe it's like ass pennies. I don't know. Well, I got another one <laughs> that I never really thought about until today. Mm-hmm. When Donovan's raving about, uh, you know, Indiana Jones trying to say, oh, you sold your country out to the Nazis for blah, blah, blah. And Donovan's like, oh, is that all you care about? You're such a small thinker. Hitler can write himself into the Grail legend and uh, he can take on the whole world. And more power to him. All I just want the Grail. I'll be drinking to my health long after he's gone the way of the Dodo. Is Donovan just ex- just obtuse? Yeah. Because, like, why does he think Hitler's going to let him have the grail? Uh, and certainly, why does he think that Hitler's not going to swig from the grail himself? Why is Hitler going to go the way of the dodo? He's going to be drinking from the grail, you dumb shit. Yeah. You goose-stepping moron. I don't know. Don, I, I don't get a lot of sense of who Donovan is and what he really thinks. Because, yeah, that's a pretty stupid idea. That, he's essentially the Elon Musk of his time. And it's kind of weird how, like, you know, like, I, I, I got the clear idea that Elon wants to live forever. And he is pursuing <laughs> arcane research along those. Yeah, but it's the truly rich to get to actually do it. Uh, get, get to make these wild swings for defenses anyway. Mm-hmm. And uh, just like Elon might be getting in, you know, uh, some some unsavory companions along his quest for more fame and glory and money and, and eternal life. I Yeah, it's just feel like it's gotten because like, yeah. And also, I think Donovan's supposed to be kind of Henry Ford. You know, who was a real life yeah. uh, billionaire uh, industrialist who loved the Nazis and the supported Nazis. Hitler. Yeah. yeah. Charles Lindbergh. It, it's, it's, it's more common. Than, like, it's kind of crazy when you go back and look at the 30s and 40s in the lead up to World War II, like how many prominent Americans were kind of like, you know what? This Hitler guy got a mm-hmm. breath of fresh air over in uh, old fucking decrepit Europe. It's like a lot, a lot of like civic and sports and industrial heroes were kind of like yeah thought thought he had something with his whole comp and struggle yeah wild um what is your favorite of the three challenges well we talked about our history with the jehovah stuff so it's got to be that i really love the force perspective thing they do with the bridge though uh yeah the leap of faith I think, I think the Leap of really Faith cool. is my favorite, and it still, I think, it holds up. I remember seeing that in the theater, and it blew my fucking mind. Yeah. And then it's still, like, I think it's a magic effect when they sprinkle the... Because that's a... that's So that's a... It's like a quarter-scale set, but it's a real set that they composited yeah. Harrison Ford on. And, like, it's a magic effect, but I... that When, that, when he tosses that grain of sand across that, and you can kind of just mm-hmm. instantly... It's just so cool. Yeah, no, I love that. I think it's really cool. It's a cool idea and very good execution, especially uh, the way like the, the the it's a literally forced perspective because like you come out of a tiny crack, so it's not like you can go to the side and get a different angle. Like right. what you see is what you get, and you have to see it that way. Mm-hmm. It, it kind of it, it really holds up, and it it's practical. 
uh and it looks great it's it's my yeah even though i got the jehovah thing i i think the leap of faith is the best one the the one you're you're not allowed to be a fan of is the penitent man shall pass it's bullshit it's complete bullshit because they wanted to jazz it up i don't know what the fuck they're doing the neil thing works yes the role Yes, is out of fucking nowhere. And how the does penitent he know to man, do that? Penitent man shall not roll around on humble. the ground. The penitent man is humble. The penitent man kneels before God. And then you got Junior. Oh, and he also rolls. He rolls <laughs> right. at God's feet, Junior. Don't forget to roll. Like, yeah, what? don't forget to tumble. He also, yeah. What the fuck? The penitent man is clumsy as fuck. He goes to kneel before God and like Mr. <laughs> Bean stumbles and just trips and rolls right in. The, in and then he then his, his face gets into God's crotch and it's just really embarrassing. Embarrassing and yeah, I've always hated yeah. that. I think it's stupid. It adds nothing, and I bet it was Lucas's idea. Because mm, it's not. It might. It, Spielberg has his share of bad ideas too. But you're right. It's almost entirely because it's got to sex it up. Because like, yeah, yeah, it's unforced. I, I, I that always bothered me, dude. Because everything else is also everything else is plausible. Like the walk in the name yep. of God. Like when you see it from the bottom where they have like just pillars that are supporting the places where you can stay and everything else is a void, mm-hmm. that would work. The force perspective, I don't know if it'd work as good as it does in the movie, but sure. like in dim fucking lighting, if you just holding the torch, probably fucking work. Mm-hmm. Well, how's this pin it? How did these fucking three brothers build this shit in the cave? Were they like <laughs> Tony Stark before his songs? time? I, yeah. 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 And all that shit's still gonna work, all those all the clockwork mechanisms, none of the pulleys and ropes have rotted away, none of the cogs, like mm-hmm. Yeah, I that that's one always kind of like, uh, I don't know about that one. Yeah, it's the worst. Uh let's talk about what happens when he gets in there and he meets yeah. the seven hundred year old knight mm-hmm. uh who you know, lays out the 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 dilemma here, right? There's a bunch of grails laid out, and one of them is the cup of Christ, and the others are false grails, and they will kill Fiendish. you if you drink from them. Yeah, uh, yeah, it's a test of your understanding of who Jesus was, I guess. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and he drinks from the wrong grail. Well, okay, so here's one thing that I never realized until this viewing of it. Elsa gives him the wrong grail on purpose. I never oh, yeah. connected the dots that oh, she really? did that intentionally. I thought yeah, she was like, oh, this gives, must be the cup of Christ. She gives Indy a little bit of a look. Uh-huh. And then as soon as he dies, he she comes right in and be like, it would not be made of gold, you know? Right. Like, uh, I never so, connected that. Hmm. Interesting. There's something I never realized is that this is another Spielberg connection where uh, you know Donovan and Vogel are like, let's kill the Jones boys. And she's like, no, 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 no. Let's make sure we get Brody and Grail before we do it. And Donovan kind of shrugs is like, always follow the doctor's orders, which kind of like shows that he always defers to her judgment, which sets huh. up this final okay. scene where he's like once yeah. again, like, oh, yeah, just I don't fucking... Um, and the other thing I didn't realize until I think this was pointed out by Adam Savage because he's a he's a he's crazy about the Grail Diary. He's got like several he replicas he copy, made one yeah. himself. That the picture of the knight walking across the leap of faith with the Grail in his hand looks exactly like the one that she chose for him. Huh. Okay. Which I thought would be like i i actually it'd be i wonder if there's a, a an alternate scene where he just looked at the grail dry diaries like oh this is the one that looks like it and you know yeah but i thought that was a kind of a cool touch too um, could be uh and he also lays out the case that um or the the explains that you can't take the actual grail 
past this seal that's marked toward the entrance. And of course, you know, Elsa tries to, and the whole thing falls apart, but it, it's an interesting trade-off, right? You can be immortal, but you have to stay in this cave. Yeah. Because it's about, it's about your doing it for the glory of God and his son rather than for your own. So like you, you the, the boon it grants you is immortality to guard the grail. I think I take that deal as long as I can have internet access. Yeah, true. I got. I want to see what Wi-Fi is in Petra because mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. that dude knelt for a thousand years reading the Bible. It's mm-hmm. not that interesting. Like, there's <laughs> no. some, there's some, there's some cool Game of Thrones shit in the first couple books, but like, it gets pretty dry pretty fast. Dude, he has some wild fan fiction. He's not a Christian anymore. He's developed <laughs> his own thing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah you think scientology is weird you should uh-huh. see what this guy's come up with in a thousand years of just having that one thing to work with maybe that's what he's he spent he spent the centuries coming up with that penitent man and you know it's like that uh-huh. the first seven years he's like i don't know if kneeling's cool enough we got we got i, I gotta get a tumble in there i gotta i got i got yeah. i got i got some spare metal i, I can i got some more uh-huh. some more hemp i can weave in the ropes and pulleys that's yeah, what happened up to a, his helmet yeah <laughs> that became the sec the 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 tumble disc the uh-huh. tumbles blade and, and he says like that's the price of immortality right staying in this cave apparently the price is also total muscle atrophy because when he tries to swing this sword at indy like what oh, good is staying yeah. young if your muscles are going to atrophy out from under you and you can't stand up do you think that he yeah like also the grail like does god have limits to his power because apparently that can only keep you alive for because like yeah what's that night look like a thousand years from now right i wonder if the completely gone are are you supposed to get the idea that he stopped drinking from the grail because he's just weary weary and his brothers went left like a thousand years ago and he hadn't and he just like "Ah, i don't you know let someone else best me uh yeah i'll let father time best me in single combat yeah or maybe he was so old when they found the grail that he was just that weak Anyway. Well, no, he says that he was the strongest and the toughest of the knights, which is why <laughs> well, he was chosen to see the behind. other two. Yeah. <laughs> the other two can't lift their own, <laughs> yeah. can't stand up. Yeah, yeah. They, he's they, the strongest. <laughs> they look like Queen Elizabeth's husband uh, right, like, right when they found the grail. Um, Jeez. What? Uh, some so I, I, this is something I think the Bill wanted us to talk about a bit. Um, his question is like, does the, you know, and I think you did too, the, does the grail still exist and yeah. would, does Indiana Jones going to live forever? I, here's my take. Mm. Well, uh, no, I got to take before the take. Why does the grail not work after the seal? The grail existed for a thousand years before the knights found it and apparently imbued by the blood of Christ to grant immortality. Did they mm. do some kind of witchcraft to limit the is this something that god did is like what what yeah what the fuck why why is the Gra- grail suddenly bound to petra jordan yeah i don't know maybe there's something in the early movie that would tell you that when they're kind of going over the history of the grail mm. in donovan's library or museum or whatever but i don't know 
Another question, if you were a wealthy billionaire industrialist, could you have the Great Seal excavated? Yes, this is where my head immediately goes. This is like in the, the, do you remember the old Gargoyles where Jonathan Frake's character, I forget what his name is, but he, he, in the, the, the prophecy with the Gargoyles could return back the like living creatures once their castle that they graced uh, rose above the clouds. So essentially, oh, it's boy. one of those things where it's, it's, it's a prophecy will never be fulfilled. Well, mm-hmm. this guy, was his name Xander? I forget. He's wealthy enough that he had that pa- that castle taken apart brick by brick from Scotland, flown over to New York. He built a skyscraper that's routinely above the clouds, and he rebuilt the castle on that skyscraper. There you uh, go. Could you, yeah, could you airlift this seal Luke out and just like have it Jehovah? in your man? Yeah, yeah. Could 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 you could you get the seal and put it in the foyer of your mansion and just chill mm-hmm. there for the rest of your life, which is going to last forever? I mean, shit, put it in your in your limousine or something. Put it on your private jet. I don't know. Put it on Ellis Island, uh-huh. the, the the front door of America, and now the whole country yeah. is is your domicile. Yeah, yeah. Because apparently God can just you know be tricked by uh, turns of phrases and things like that. Well, I was thinking, I mean, yeah, you could excavate the seal. Is the grail destroyed, though? Because the grail's still there. It falls down a massive chasm. I feel like you could just get excavating equipment and dig down and get the grail. I don't know if it would have power, but I feel like you could still get it if you wanted it as an artifact. Yeah, I. if it got swallowed up by the earth. How deep can that really go? I mean, I, I guess tectonic know. plates being what they well, are, it the could thing go is, is all also the way to the core and melt. True. But... There's only four people on the earth that know its final disposition, so they would have to mm-hmm. tell, and then you'd have to dri- dig and drill. It, but yeah, does it, it, does it actually work um, if the seal isn't intact, if it's the seal destroyed? I, I don't know. My, my take, oh. though, is that Indiana Jones, from the moment he drank the grail, has got the perfect health and but he's going to he's going to for a man his age the same thing with Henry senior so if he had cancer or heart problem those are gone mm-hmm. but from there on they're going to age naturally so they just got like a a, a, a nice tune up like yeah. in these yeah. all of his old like uh back was hurting ran through the cartilage in his left knee mm-hmm. uh you know swollen prostate gone but but he's not going to live forever gotcha what do you think I, I think that's about right. Yeah. It healed everything that was wrong with him, restored him to perfect health, but unless he keeps drinking from it. Well, let me ask you this. How often do you have to drink from it? Because you're going to micro age, right? Like if you're not drinking from it every second of every day, you will age. I assume. Yeah. I imagine like I would. So here my, my, here's my question for you. Why would Why would you drink out of anything else? I wouldn't. Because I, I don't, and I, I also don't think the knight eats. I think he just is, he subsists mm-hmm. on. So I, maybe that's, that blows my theory about him stop drinking. But yeah, I, I, I always thought that it would just be, uh, um, I, I want to know, I need instructions written on the back. Like take one to two sips every six hours. Uh, do not take more than four sips per day. I need those instructions because I need to know when the effect wears off. Because I don't want to be like, oh, I think this will last a year, and I drink and I find out that I'm aging nine months every year because it wears off after three months. Hmm. Uh, Maybe if I, you sip it and then don't go out 
past the seal it just works permanently yeah i yeah is it is yeah is it effect that lasts forever once you take one drink or is it something that like you like you said you'll start to micro age you got to keep drinking because the thing is is it didn't make it didn't make indiana jones or didn't make henry jones senior younger it just made him uh it just it just healed him to like his peak physical health now I guess the question is if you keep drinking it. No, but we know because the fucking, they really fucked, I think they really fucked up making the knight super old. Yeah. I don't understand how that, like if, if that knight looked like he was young and strapping and like he had not aged a day since he started drinking, everything would make sense. But the mm-hmm. knight being old ass worn out doesn't really make sense to me. Agreed. They need another line of dialogue to kind of explain it, I guess. <laughs> Unless, um, the only way it makes sense is his two fellow knights were weaker and older than he was and they were just all very old and weak by the time they got the grail yeah yeah and then that just kept him at that state uh-huh. but again uh, according to the knight he was the youngest and mightiest <laughs> that's what i mean the... like they were all in par- fairly shitty health and yeah <laughs> after their quest for it i don't know um what else we find out was... that the dog yep. the indian is named after the dog uh, and then they ride off in the sunset and it is like literally the perfect end for this trilogy. Um, I agree. And they've only done and gone and fucked it up with uh, Chris <laughs> Crystal Skull. And now we got the Dial of Destiny. Mm-hmm. The Dial of Destiny premiered at Con uh, a couple weeks ago and some reviews have started to trickle out and they're savage, Jim. I, I read them. one that's tagline was we didn't know how good we had it. Oh, fuck with the crystal skull because at least that was directed by Spielberg Spielberg is not directing uh-huh. this one and like say what you will about Spielberg he like he, he knows his way around the camera um mm-hmm. yeah I I I don't I don't I don't get it I don't under uh I'm I'm very worried because I thought these trailers looked amazing he had a good villain Mads Mikkelsen all-time yeah. great villain you got a good uh, co-protagonist with uh you got a Phoebe, Phoebe Waller, Bra- Bridge. Waller Bridger, yep. Um, you got Sala Sala back. You got I think mm-hmm. e- e- the aging technology. You either love it or hate it. I think it's cool uh, where you know you got the permission of the, uh, the actors and stuff. And I I thought the de aging stuff looks good. Like I guess a lot of people said in context it looks terrible. Um, mm-hmm. Did they really go and make another shitty Indiana Jones in the twilight of Harrison Ford's career? Seems so based on those reviews but i've disagreed with reviews before we'll we'll see yeah and i had some people because there's a there's people trying to cope out there right sure um, well uh, kansas very you know that's uh, the big highfalutin they These are don't art take, critics not yeah pulp critics yeah yep yep that's what people are saying that then there's 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 been some history of where kansas shit on like pop culture um, kind of blockbuster type movies were, that were otherwise well received. Gotcha. But um, yeah, man, I don't know. I don't know what to think. I was really hoping that this was going to be a fun experience. Maybe it still will be. But I also, um, you know, got a little worried about because, like, I, I felt so. So apparently, this Dial of Destiny is based on a real Greek artifact called the Antikythera which is this clockwork mechanism that no one knows what it did. There is a couple of things where this is a celestial clock that was designed to track when the Olympic games should, you know, the four year cycle of the Olympic games. 
There's also is able to predict like astronomical f- uh, phenomenon like eclipses and stuff. No one really knows what it does, but uh, a popular conception is was designed by Ar- uh, Archimedes. Okay, you know mm-hmm. uh, who is you know known for creating crazy you know super weapons of the day you know like invented greek fire invented the this this um the mirror that, array that, yeah, yeah that, that melted ships at sea and all, all this other stuff mm-hmm. um and i guess in this it's posited that this this wheel actually has the ability to uh split time and allow like time travel and to change your fate and all that so but it's it's get it's strike one because i never heard of this thing mm-hmm. until i looked it up it's not something that like everyone just kind of understands how it's used in its time travel, which is tricky in the best of situations. Yeah. I don't know, man. Harrison we'll Ford's going to be 20 years older than Sean Connery was in the last crusade being <laughs> Indiana Jones. Yeah, it's rough. Uh, I hope it's I don't good. know, man. I, I am not pinning any hopes on this is the, the major thing. Like I was, very excited for crystal skull and i it taught me not to get too excited about this stuff so well well, i had started to so i'm glad actually i'm glad about the stuff coming out from can because i was starting to get like fuck yeah we're gonna redeem we're gonna redeem indy after crystal skull and all that kind of stuff but i don't know uh we don't have long before we check it out that's uh very soon gonna be a bald movie in fact depending i i, I think we might hold this uh, to a week or two before so it should be really close around the corner um mm-hmm. but yeah i don't know um what else do we have to talk about i think that's it uh bill the i hope the dial destiny is awesome uh Either way, you're you're another commissioning hero. Thank you for commissioning this very fun film. My personal favorite of the Indiana Jones uh, universe. Hey, there is a glaring omission of our Indiana Jones coverage. It's the Temple of Doom. You might be thinking, I would love to hear what Jim and Aaron think about that other lesser Indiana Jones film. Well, there's one way you can make sure we get it covered. And that's going to support.baldmove.com. And you can select Commission a Podcast where you can select Indiana Jones and Temple of Doom or any two-ish hours of content, TV shows, movies. Uh, hell, we've done video games. It's it's, it's like as, as, you know, two-ish hours of content. We'll watch it and we'll give it our opinion in the form of a podcast. And you can make that happen by going to support.baldmove.com, checking out Commission Podcast. Again, Bill D., thanks. Thanks for Commission is Fun. Uh, podcast. I hope it made your Indiana Jones heart swell up three sizes too too big. Take a swig <laughs> Drink of the grill, from the grill to, man. Yeah. <laughs> to, to, to to correct that very serious medical condition. Uh, and then, uh, uh, yeah, yeah, no, I, I appreciate it. Uh, I appreciate your commission in that and for your support of uh, Bald Move. And we will be back with another pulp, maybe prestige, something, some commission thing, real soon. Until then, I'm Aaron and I'm Jim. See ya.